Welcome back to Sleep for Performance Radio with your host, myself, Ian Dunican. Okay, so today we're going to have a little brief audio abstract here on a recent paper that I had published, which is called Wafer. It's a long title. As an engineer said to me recently at Swimming, that was a mouthful, and it is The Effect of Water Loading for Acute Weight Loss Following Fluid Restriction on Sleep Quality and Quantity in Combat Sports Athletes. So a lot to break down in this one. Now, this study was uh, conducted a few years ago at the Australian Institute of Sport. And so um, what we did was we looked at some combat athletes. So quick overview. Let's uh, follow the normal path we do. Introduction and background, the methodology, the results, some of the discussion, and then conclusion of what it means in context of uh, combat sport athletes. So combat sports, for those of you who are not familiar with combat sports, it's generally things like boxing, taekwondo, karate, muay thai, judo, wrestling, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, sambo, and mixed martial arts, to name a few. Now, some of these you will see in the Olympics. They will be the kind of amateur ones. And then other ones which you may be familiar with or you see on TV will be like UFC, Bellator, and so on. So these athletes... Uh, you know, engage in this combat sport, which is pretty, pretty tough and pretty serious, and uh, not to be taken lightly. If you are thinking about getting into it, I wouldn't be anyway. So, what athletes do, and you may have seen this already on TV, is athletes what uh, have to do, what they have to do is make a weight or make a specific weight. So, some people look at this and go, "What, what do you mean by making a weight?" So let's take an example of a person who might be 80 kilos. They might sign up or agree to fight at a specific weight, such as 70 kilos. So they're going to lose 10 kilos for that weight. But then what they're going to try and do is regain that weight as quickly as possible after they make the weight before a fight. So for example, um, you know, a fighter signs up. They've got six weeks before a fight, they sign up for the fight, they do their medicals, they're all cleared and they go ahead. And so what they will do then, they will have two parts of this weight loss or this is what should happen. Uh, you should have what's called like a chronic period or a long period. So typically four to five weeks for the person who's going to try and lose weight over that time. So for example, it might go from 80 kilos down to 75 kilos or what's that roughly like 175 pounds down to about 165 roughly. Um, and then in the week to 10 days before the fight, they're going to try and drop that additional five kilos to make 70 kilos. They're generally weighing 24 hours before the fight and then have 24 hours to refuel and rehydrate as much as possible. Now, some people might say, what's the point in doing that? It's really ridiculous. Well, in striking arts for Muay Thai and boxing and so on, there is actually no advantage and, and Dr. Reed Real, who now works at the UFC Performance Institute in Shanghai, has shown that in some papers where for striking sports, um, yeah, there's no real benefit in cutting weight and regaining that. So even if you regain more than your opponent, you're actually not going to have a, an advantage. However, in grappling sports and in MMA, there is an advantage. So Reed has also shown this in things like judo. So there is an advantage. And for any of you guys that uh, have watched combat sports, you probably have seen this where a guy or a girl who rehydrates and refuels to a certain weight and looks way bigger than their opponent, you know, can win the fight. Not always, but generally gives them a better advantage. So you may have seen some other work published in this area previously by people like Oliver Barley, Read Real, I know Mark Germain, a few others have, are interested in this area. Uh, you may have heard a podcast recently I did with Corey Peacock, who you know um, coaches people like Michael Johnson, 
uh, Vulcan Ustamir and so on on the podcast last year about talking about elements of this as well. So it's a pretty, you know, tough process for somebody to do. And so what happens is people either do, in the week before the fight, they do what's called a low-fiber diet or low-residue diet, so they remove fiber out of their diet, and what they're trying to do is empty the contents of their gut, really. And then the other strategy that people often do is what's called water-loading, where they consume vast amount of water um, to try and basically trick the kidneys into flushing themselves and dropping weight as well. Or people may do a combination of both. So in our study, what we did was we wanted to see, you know, basically this was a subset of a study that Reed was running at the IS, um, we wanted to see what was the effect on sleep of these athletes. So we took a bunch of uh, lunatics, 22 of them, to the Combat Sports Centre in Canberra at the Australian Institute of Sport. And uh, yeah, we basically locked them up for about 10 days and did lots of tests on them. And uh, they trained about twice a day as well. So we looked at this over a number of nights, I think it was about eight nights in total, or nine days for our specific period. So we had a familiarization phase for the first three days. Then we had the experimental phase for another five days. And then we had the end of the study where they kind of rehydrated and we made sure they were safe before they went off. So we broke the group into two, two sorry, we broke the overall group into two smaller groups. We had the water loading group and the low residue diet group or the low fiber group. Now the guys doing the water loading also adhere to the low residue diet as well. And the reason we picked these is because this is what happens. So we didn't just make these up. This is what commonly happens out there. And we wanted to do it in a safe environment. And um, yeah, we wanted to make sure it all kind of went well. Now, Reed was the man looking after the diets. He made sure everybody was getting enough carbohydrates, protein, and fats. And it was all done by body weight. You know, they were getting a lot of calories still a day, probably over about 2,000 for most of them. This was all dependent on their body weight. So nobody was starving to death. They might have been craving certain foods, which some of them did. But nobody was actually going to starve to death on this. Uh, and for the water learning phase as well, um, you know, we give them about um, uh, 100 milliliters per kilo of body mass for the water loading group, where the control group had 40 milliliters. And then we had a fluid restriction phase where the water loading group went down to 15 mils um, per kilo of body weight. So basically a lot of water for about three days, four days, and then very little, little water. So most people were having between eight and 10 liters for three or four days, and then it went down to about a liter for one day, which had to space out across the, the day, which is quite hard actually. Um, and so that's where a lot of the fluid is lost. So uh, to measure sleep, we use the old ready band, which I validated previously, which I have spoken about ad nauseum on the podcast and on abstracts. So I'm not going to go into that one. And uh, there is a blog on that on the website if you want to have a look at that, but the ready band is validated for use. So what did we find? Well, first of all, we had to take one guy out of the group for potential concussion due to doctor's advice. Um, and that was, that, was, uh, that was pretty good because I was in the hospital two o'clock in the morning with that guy. But thank God he was okay. He went home, he was fine, um, and he lived to uh, tell a few tales. He was probably a bit annoyed that he couldn't partake in the study, but we did want to look after um, participants' health first and foremost, as, as we did for everybody throughout the study as well. It's also worth noting that these guys did train twice a day as well in predominantly grappling arts, such as judo, wrestling, jiu-jitsu, and so on. Um, Two-a-day sessions were there. We also gave them some more information in relation to performance as well, just to keep them occupied. So these guys, they were about 27 was the average age, roughly about 78 kilos or about 171, 72 pounds, so not huge guys. Uh, height about 177 centimeters, body mass index about 25, roughly about six years grappling experience. 
Uh, no reported excessive alcohol consumption in a group or even binge drinking. Generally in good health. Um, they all read their sort of uh, sleep as fairly important for most of the group or extremely important. Um, most of them, um, about 90% of them, didn't even take sleep medication, so it was quite good. Um, and then we had not really any excessive daytime sleepiness being, being, uh, being reported for the group or, you know, any crazy issues around sleep disorders that we could ascertain from the questionnaires. So what did we find? Well, we didn't actually find much, which is interesting. We thought we were going to find um, a lot of sleep disturbances due to a thing called what's called nocturia, or basically waking up to go to the bathroom um, or taking a piss in lemon's terms. Um, but we didn't really find that. And so we looked at measures of sleep throughout the week. We looked at the eight measures. And kind of the ones that we were most interested in was um, wake after sleep onset. So this is the amount of time that they spend awake and a fragmentation index as well to the number of times they get up. And there wasn't really much of a difference in them. Where we did find a difference though was probably around the sleep latency. Sorry, it was not probably, but was around the sleep latency, the time to fall asleep. And um, we did find some disturbances throughout the night, particularly on night six. Now, what's interesting about this is in the context of, um, of this group is that when we look at other studies outside of athletes, we find that low fiber diets actually cause more awakenings overnight. Um, now, nocturia um, does cause a lot of awakenings or getting up to go to the bathroom, but generally in an older population, and because these guys were so young and so fit and healthy, it really wasn't an issue. And it made me also thought as well, a lot of these guys had experienced drinking vast quantities of water and uh, were able to manage it by going to the bathroom uh, preventively before they go to sleep as well. But in terms of sleep, we didn't really find any negative impact on it as well, which is good. It's good to find negative findings in, in some ways because a lot of times we don't report negative findings or false findings or, you know, where we didn't find that, uh, you know, our, we find our hypothesis is wrong. It's just important to publish those things as opposed to always being kind of biased in our approach about, oh yeah, we found this and means this. We didn't really find that. And it's good because it goes hand in hand with read reels or studies around, you know, no sort of kind of deleterious effects to someone's health in the short term or long term. And uh, Reed's part of his study was pretty in-depth, um, you know, looking at the physiological changes when athletes were making weight. So nothing really kind of too much to report here on this. This was the first investigation to assess the sleep of combat sport athletes during acute weight loss and to compare difference in these two weight loss strategies. And, and you know, regarding pre-competition dietary strategies, investigate diet strategies, uh, it's Friday, I'm trying to get this done. Uh, <laughs> losing weight via low residue diets, either with or without water loading, appears unlikely to exert a sleep loss related performance reduction in combat athletes. And in Reed's study, when, when I went in partnership with this, there was no effect on performance either. So, you know, we really didn't find anything. Now, in the context of future work or in the context of real-life stuff, there could be issues. And first of all, what we did find was these athletes only got about six hours, 13 minutes a night um, for the waterloading group and six hours, 48 minutes for the control group. Now, both of those measures are significantly underneath the seven to nine hours recommended by the Sleep Health Foundation. And it's also been shown that in athletes, they may need more than that at seven to nine hours per night um, for performance reasons and recovery. Now, if you take um, a fighter in you know, a week of a fight, particularly when they're a high-level professional athlete, this weekend, uh, you know, 
we have Nate Diaz fighting Jorge Masvidal in the UFC, and if you follow countdowns and embeddeds and all that sort of thing, you will see how much media they have to do during the week. So imagine trying to do all that media, reduce your weight, train, and not to mention you're going into a fight in your underwear live on TV in front of you know thousands of people in an arena and millions watching it around the world. So that's, that's got to place a stress on you as well. So those other things may have an effect on the athlete and the athlete's sleep. Also as well, the time of training throughout the week. And um, So I spoke to uh, Jordan Sullivan about this on his podcast, The Fight Dietitian. You should check out his work as well. It's excellent about this. And, um, you know, all these other variables are going to be a factor in how an athlete sleeps in the week before a fight. Also as well, if people are in and around the room playing video games, screaming and roaring and all the hanger honors, it's all going to reduce the person's sleep in the week before a fight. So we had a very controlled study here. It's interesting. Is it definitive about what happens with combat sports athletes? I don't think so. I think there's more work to be done. It's going to be hard to do it in groups like we did here. I think it's going to have to be case studies or a series of case studies that we can use to basically um, you know, build up what, what effect is on um, a fighter in the week before a fight and individual differences are going to be very present or um, are going to be highlighted in such a study. Okay, so I've rambled on enough. Jump down, scroll down there to the show notes in the podcast app or if you're on the website and you can click on that link for the full free open access paper to this paper, the effect of water loading for acute weight loss following fluid restriction on sleep quality and quantity in combat sport athletes. It's right down there in the bottom of the show notes, authored by myself. And you can click on that link and get the full open access paper and download it as a PDF. Now, feel free to share that on any social media platform or um, wherever you like. And if you've got any questions or you got any feedback, please send it through to us. Okay, thank you very much for listening to this audio abstract. Hope you enjoyed it. Until next time, sleep well.